listening to Ranking Tracks, part of CKCC Radio. And now your host, Jeff Trollowitz. And welcome to a very special edition of Ranking Tracks here on CKCC Radio. Why is it special? Well, that's easy. Because this is episode number 100. And I honestly cannot believe it's been 100 episodes and I've enjoyed every single moment of it. But I'm not coming to you alone right now. No, no, no. To celebrate such an occasion, I am here with the one, the only, the commissioner of CKCC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Chris O'Mealy. Man, Jeff, you, sir, challenged me with this episode and you made me come up with Well, because you so, uh, completely completed the task, that deserves another trumpet. And for the record, this was actually your idea. Well, then I am very upset with myself right now because <laughs> I don't know how I did this. Now, for the 50th episode, I did an album that turned 50. I don't know that I would really enjoy any music that came out in uh, 1924, so we can't really do a... Uh, 100th anniversary album. So instead, Chris and I are going to discuss our top 10 favorite songs of all time. I figured that is an appropriate way to celebrate 100 episodes. And with just literally tens of thousands of songs on my playlist. Yep. Pulling 10 was a Herculean task, but I I really cycled through and focused on songs that had a lot of special meaning a lot of songs that I've really enjoyed for long periods of time and I'm very proud of the 10 songs that I picked and they'll probably be radically different from the 10 songs that you may have picked but oh I'm 100% convinced there will be no crossover on this one (laughs) but that's also kind of the beauty of anybody doing a countdown on any of their favorite things and I'll, I'll, throw a, I'll throw a cheap plug out here right now for all of you wonderful listeners of CKCC Radio, but my old Chris Ranks the Universe show is coming back as a YouTube series called Chris Critiques the Universe. I'm slightly changing it so I can do ranking lists, top tens, and reviews all under one banner. And I've decided to move it to YouTube, so I used the worksheet to come up with these ten songs. I'm going to possibly hold on to this list because I might do this as a video down the line special guest director Jeff Trellowitz of Ranking Tracks. That guy's awesome. I know that guy. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and I'm going to actually let you start. So give us your 10th most favorite song of all time. So at number 10 on my list is a song that some people would, would argue if I told them it's the greatest love song ever written. If I say greatest love song ever written, what songs come to your mind right away? The first thing that would come to my mind would probably be Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. That's actually what I thought you were going to say. And that's not a fair assessment. That is a lot of people's picks for all-time greatest love song. And it is. It's a great song. But in my opinion, the song Glory 
Say no more. Is actually the greatest love song ever. Okay. No, I. You know what? I can't argue that. <laughs> and it's a. Uh, yeah. Um. This came off. This was actually the B side on the on the line album. This came out in 1985. The lyrics have somewhat of a medieval theme going them too. He's all about being a knight in shining armor, coming to the castle far away to rescue the girl, but it's it's got the unique Chicago sound without being fully Chicago because he did release this as a solo artist. Yep. But man, I just I listen to this song and I think it's perfect because as good as the Brian Adams song is, it's I think it's in it's excess of five minutes, possibly six. Yep, because there's parts of it that like, there's a piano intro and an exit that's not, because there's a radio edit that's not as long. Oh, yeah. And this song's edit is less than four minutes, but even the album version is four and a half. Yep. So it's just, it's a slightly easier song to digest, but I just like it because for me, as important as lyrics are, uh, tune and melody has a lot to do with it too, and I just always like the... Uh, it sounds like it belongs on a movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. In fact, both songs are from a movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. They sure are. Karate Kid Part 2 and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And the fourth edition of the Rocky movies, which I go back and forth whether Rocky 4 or Rocky 3 is my favorite. I, 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 I'm not really sure I could actually pick between them. I... Those are the two, and I'm not sure which one I actually like better. Yeah. But yeah, that's my pick for number 10. I, What I believe is the greatest love song ever written, and people can disagree with me, and that's fine. They'd be list. wrong, but... <laughs> well, it's my list. They are more than welcome to feel whatever they feel. But I'm, uh... I, I kind of considered whether or not I wanted the Brian Adams song to make the cut, but in, in the end, this is what I went with. All right, and speaking of movie soundtracks, I've got one that goes back. The movie itself came out in the 90s, but the original song was from 1965. I'm going to go with The Birds, Turn, Turn, Turn. That's a great song. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to reap. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep. To everything, turn, turn, turn. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, that's life. That's literally what life is all about. Every single thing under God's green earth goes through that. So. That really is a fantastic song. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that make the cut. As I've said many times, I'm a classic rock guy through and through, and this list will prove it once again. <laughs> can, I, can I tie this to The Simpsons? Because Always. When, when Lisa's becoming a news reporter and they're focusing on like the fluffy stories and Kent Brockman does a story on the old carousel and it's playing turn, turn, turn as he's sitting <laughs> on it. But he's doing like, this is Kent Brockman and he goes around the carousel and then comes back reporting live for Channel 6. Because <laughs> there's always a Simpsons reference. Yep. Alright, what's your number nine? Back in 1971, by Bob Seger, 
It is called Turn the Page. It's a song written about his experiences on the road and how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. And, how, and how concert life and road life, and you're traveling 16 hours and there's nothing to do. And you stop into this restaurant and you're all wondering, is that a woman? Is that a man? And it's the same old story. Like, And it's all based on real experiences. It was like, it was like some random restaurant in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, where this restaurant experience happened. And then out in 1998, Metallica released their album Garage Inc., which was their cover album, and did a cover of this song, and it is just phenomenal. It actually might be my favorite Metallica song. Yeah, I can see that. And I just think that the Metallica cover is one of those examples of a cover that takes the original source material and enhances it. Yep. They they put their own spin on it, but in no way, shape, or form do they ruin the original song. This is not Fred Durst covering Behind Blue Eyes and inserting his own lyrics and yep. just making me really angry that that song exists because I love that song and I love The Who. Uh, I got a question. Yes. Because that was not when you're like, and this is a cover, I... Is that the only cover song on your list? No. Didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. We'll get to another one slightly higher up. Yeah, I was I was surprised that it was going to be this low until you're like, Bob Seger. I'm like, okay, nope, not what I thought. We'll get there. That's a spoiler, folks. Yep. But yeah, I would say I went back and forth on the Metallica songs because Master of Puppets is just a genius heavy metal song. It's... It's a perfect heavy metal song. It's got the the hardcore guitar riffs. It's got great lyrics. It's got the aggression side. It's and it's held the test of time. And it made a comeback recently because of Stranger Things. Yep. So it got new recognition. But when Metallica just busted out the Bob Seger classic, and Bob Seger, one of the greatest musicians of all time. Yep. So for Metallica to not only do the song justice, but to make it count on the top 10 yep. I think is a huge accomplishment so yes love this song listen to it anytime especially when I'm on the road I'm staying in the 1960s with mine from the album Willie and the Poor Boys Credence Clearwater Revival Down on the Corner God I love me some CCR yep yes to me I, they I, are one of the most underrated bands of all time and yet Again, nobody can say anything bad about the band, but yet you you would find you it would be very hard to find someone who goes, "Oh, my favorite band, CCR." True, but you you're going to be even harder pressed to find somebody who thinks that CCR is a garbage band. True. Early in the evening, just about supper time, over by the courthouse, they're starting to unwind. Four kids on the corner trying to bring you up. Willie picks up a tune out and he blows it on the harp. Down on the corner, out in the street. street. Willie and the poor boys are playing. Bring a nickel, tap your feet. Ah, love it. My favorite CCR song is probably Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Yep. But I also have a connection to that song because that was our anthem when we did our high adventure hiking in Philmont, New Mexico back in 2001. That was the main song that we would hear. That was like the campfire song that they would play. And it kind of became like our anthem as we went on our 10-day excursion. So... That's got a special place in my heart, but you can't deny it down on the corner. And is that song really that old? Yeah. Well, 
Hashtag well. <laughs> Hashtag get off my lawn. Alright, what's number eight? So for number eight, I went with a song that I believe is one of the greatest songs ever written, period. This is a masterpiece in music, lyrics, performance, and all of that. The artist is Queen. Say no more. <laughs> I, I, I think I already know where it is. I... Yeah. Uh, this song was released in 1975 on the B-side of I'm in Love With My Car. And they were told this is nothing that's ever going to fly. Mm -hmm. You're never going to make it with a mock opera. Yep. What's a mock opera? Yep. And they released Bohemian Rhapsody, which, like many kids my age, I discovered through Wayne's World. I think that's how a lot of people my age discovered the song. It's not but even your age. Me, <laughs> being the biggest Queen fan you probably know, also learned it through Wayne's World. Mm -hmm. The song is brilliant. And there's a Muppet version of it on YouTube if y'all haven't seen it. Yep. I highly suggest you watch that because it's amazing. I literally, but, my friend sent me a TikTok about people listening to Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time. And I said to her, I would love to go back and listen to Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time. Just to, it all over again. Yep. You know, we always talk about watching a movie again for the first time. There are certain songs you need to hear again for the first time. 100% agree. And I think that... I'm not going to say Bohemian Rhapsody is the greatest Queen song ever made because there are, there are so many wonderful tracks that Freddie Mercury and his friends have produced and just, you know, genius lyrics and wonderful beats and everything. I mean, I, I still rock out to Don't Stop Me Now and yep. sing it, because I'm always having a good time, Yep. for the most part. But Bohemian Rhapsody is in a, is in a league of its own. It's, yep. it's very, very hard for me to say anything more, more genius that came out of Queen than their own mock opera, yep. which they were told would fail miserably, and it did not. I'm so happy it did. And speaking of spoiler alert, this will not be the last time we talk about Queen. And at number eight for me, very similar to Queen as far as the uh, theatrics of music and also had a uh, biopic that came out just about the same time, Elton John's 1972 classic, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. And now I know Spanish Harlem are not just pretty words to say. I thought I knew, but now I know that rose trees never grow in New York City. Until you've seen this trash can dream come true, you stand at the edge while people run you through. And I thank the Lord there's people out there like you. I mean, it's such a great friendship song. It's such a great living through life song. That, And again, I look at the movie Almost Famous. That scene to me, is perfect. Yeah. It's, uh... When, when it comes to Elton 
different hits and they all have a different sound and a different feel to them but yep. yes he can do the love song and everything but then he'll come out with something like i'm still standing which is just this triumphant song to celebrate the fact that he got through a hard time mm-hmm. like i love i love that about elton john and i think now as we record this in 2024 i think he has either retired or is he's wrapping up his final tour he's wrapping up and you know what i say good for him go enjoy that retirement because he's absolutely earned it yep all right what's seven so for number seven we're going to journey to one of the greatest decades of music of all time the 1980s nice and uh this is a song that's actually older than i am but not by much because it came out in 1983 and i was born in 1984 so i can't i don't have the ghostbusters connection like i do (laughs) we don't have that going on here uh this song came off of an album called frontiers by a band called journey (laughs) now when you hear journey what's everybody's go-to journey song don't stop believing don't stop believing a fantastic song yep but i will wager that separate ways worlds apart is an even better song because to me this is an anthem of the 1980s yep with the guitars and the synthesizers and the lyrics and the the high-pitched vocals because let's be honest that's something that they were always very very good with again Um, also brought back thanks to stranger things indeed it was and uh the, the first time I actually heard the song get a, what I considered to be a good revival was Tron Legacy. Yep. See, though it's not included on the soundtrack, they use it for a pivotal point in the movie when Kevin Flynn's son discovers the fact that there's a hidden room behind the arcade machine, behind the Tron machine of all things, and lo and behold, that's the song that's played. But... Separate Ways to me is a it's also kind of a love song. Yep. It's basically a threat to the guy she's dating now. <laughs> yep. What it boils down to. But it's another one of those songs that has such a hard impact that it doesn't necessarily need to have. It's already a great song and it just goes even harder. And I'm going to say something that is not necessarily going to be popular, and this is my podcast, so I can say that. I'm kind of over Don't Stop Believing." You are not the first person I've heard that from, and I think there's just, uh, it's just one of those things that I think people have said, okay, we get it, it's popular, it's it's a good song, but I think Don't Stop Believing" fell into the victim of being uh, overplayed. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Alright, now I'm going to go to... This This is one of the newer songs that I'm going to talk about. From 1995, a little band called The Gin Blossoms. Until I Hear It From You. The Gin Blossoms. Great band. Underrated band. I didn't ask. They shouldn't have told me. At first I'd laugh, but now it's sinking in fast. Whatever they sold me. Well, baby, I don't want to take advice from fools. I'll just figure everything is cool until I hear it from you. Again, it's off of one of my favorite soundtracks. It's from Empire Records. But, yeah, I that is one of those songs that when I when it comes on, I got to stop what I'm doing and just actually enjoy the music. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
liked uh, Hey Jealousy. Yep. That was probably their big hit. Yep. Pro- probably their biggest hit, I would say. Um, yeah. But that's that's a song that I've always enjoyed, and I remember it was one of those songs. I I think the first time I heard it, I thought they were the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, I can understand that. <laughs> yep. And then I remember, I'm like, I can't find this one Goo Goo Doll song, and then I realized it was by a band called the Gin Blossoms, and that's how I just discovered who the Gin Blossoms were. Yep. Well, because he sings back up on it, though. So that at least makes some sense. Yeah, but I was, uh... That was another one of those, like, early days of downloading music. Yep. Like, in the early Napster days when I'm looking for songs, I can't find them. Yep. And, uh... Well, uh... I have a, I have a Napster joke about our next song we're going to talk about here. All right, let's hear it. Want to jump into number six? Let's go to All number right. six. So, this next song... My favorite song off of my all-time favorite album, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory, from 2001. The song is called In the End, and it is the quintessential Linkin Park song. Yep. Uh, Jeff and I have already discussed this when we did our ranking of Hybrid Theory and how In the End is truthfully the Linkin Park song. Yep. It's probably their biggest and most well-known song, but for very good reason. As great as a band Linkin Park is, this is a song that stands out for for all the right reasons. And I've Hybrid Theory is probably always going to be my favorite album, considering it came out in two thousand one, and it's twenty twenty four as we record this. There hasn't been a full album to actually take it down <laughs> since, and I just don't see that happening anytime soon. But the, the video that killed me is um, Mike Shinoda, who does the rapping portions of the song, put out a track, or put out a video where he performed his part of the song and then let the fans sing Chester's vocals. Ooh. And my god, that hit yeah, all the fans. Oh. And I'm assuming it was after Chester's... Yeah, it, oh yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, actually, because Chester passed in 2017. Yep. And I think he only released that video either last year or the year before. Yeah, no, so. yeah. But I, still, it doesn't change no. the, the feelings there. And I, I love that video, but it's it's one of those things. It's it's very hard to watch, yep. especially if you were a diehard Lincoln Park fan like I was. Like Lincoln I wasn't Park. even a big Lincoln Park fan, but I could tell you exactly where I was when I found out the news. Honestly, tell you, no, they were not. <laughs> but also, he was trying to do all this, all the parts together. Yeah. And 
and I just like the fact that they let it split. Chester yeah. Bennington did his vocals. He sang because he was a phenomenal singer. And maybe Mike Shinoda's rapping, maybe he wasn't going to be the best singer, but he had the, the gift of gab as far as the hip-hop was concerned. And they found a way to hybrid that, which is why it's called Hybrid Theory. That other band can just keep rolling on by. He sure can. Fun fact, though. I'll throw this out there because I actually just had this conversation with our friend Dan Peck. Because <laughs> there's a huge running joke for all of you longtime podcast listeners that Lincoln, <laughs> uh, Limp Biscuit's actually Dan's favorite band, even though it's really not. But it became an in-joke. Um, I actually think Rearranged is my favorite Limp Biscuit song, and I will put that above My Way, which used to be My Way. But the more I've started listening to Link, or, uh, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> Lincoln Biscuit, the more I start listening to them these days. Going back to that that sound, I I can understand and appreciate songs like Rollin' and Break Stuff for being heavy, but I, I really think Rearrange is actually a good song. As long it's as it's good. not Nookie. Nookie's a terrible song, and I don't know why we all thought it was good when it came out. Like, it did not age in any way, shape, or form. And... I think I, I think I'm accurate when I say this. We've actually already mentioned Dan's favorite band of all time, The Who. We did. Yep. His, his real favorite band. Yeah. Now, Chris, you're from New Jersey, aren't you? Born and raised. Number six is one of your Jersey boys. Ah, uh, all right. I, I, it's down to two. It's gonna be one of them. And. It's probably it, it, the song came out in 1975, which will then again narrow it down to okay, well, only one. <laughs> I've always loved "Born to Run" because it's great. Because Bruce Springsteen is great. In the day, we sweated out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night, we ride through mansions of glory in suicide machines. Sprung from cages on Highway 9, chrome-wheeled fuel injecting and stepping out over the line. Oh, baby, this town rips the bones from your back. It's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. We gotta get out while we're young, because tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. Just brilliant. Absolutely. You know, because, and who else can put out not one, but two songs starting with the word born? I mean, really. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Um, so I actually, fun fact, I actually met his bus driver. He stayed at our hotel last year. And we had, a, we had a really nice conversation. He was at our hotel because Bruce had gotten sick on his tour. And because, you know, he's old. Mm-hmm. So these things happen. And the, the bus driver was passing through Lancaster, Pennsylvania and just wanted to hang out for a couple of days. So we put him in a really nice room. And he, uh, he tipped very well. And he was a nice guy. He told us some really cool stories from on the road. And, like, he's worked with Metallica and, and some of these other bands. It was just a cool connection to meet somebody connected to the boss. Good old Bruce Springsteen. You know, if I had to pick a favorite Bruce Springsteen song, it wouldn't be a song a lot of people are overly familiar with. Uh, folks, do yourself a favor and check out the song Radio Nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of his newer songs, but it's really, really good. It's very fast-paced, very powerful. And I'll, I'm going to throw a theme park connection back here, Jeff. I always loved the part of the Beatles you show at Universal when they perform Dancing the 
Yep. I always love that part. But yes, Bruce, the boss. Uh, there's another Jersey boy that we might be talking about relatively soon. Quite possibly. <laughs> All right, who's number five? All right, so we're in top five now. <clears throat> At number five. So, the band is a band that you and I are both big fans of. It's called Hailstorm. <laughs> by Lizzie Hale, the vocalist from New York, Pennsylvania, just down the road. And they have released a couple of albums that I really thought were just gold. Now, certain people are not fans of Hailstorm. Certain people who are big into music, also on this channel, <laughs> who, hate, who hate the band so much that they insist on telling me every single time. I bring them up as if I haven't figured it out by now. But one of their best albums they released was called The Strange Case Of. Which... Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> yep. Again, ranking tracks, I already covered it. I already covered it. And you've got five songs off this album that all could be in my top ten. Yep. Mrs. Hyde, I Miss the Misery, Freak Like Me, Love Bites, the one I went with is the one that you picked as number one, and that's Here's to Us. Again, another great song about friendship and about struggling through life. Yeah, and it's short. It's less than three minutes. There's different versions of it out there where they have guest vocalists, they have extra guitar music. Yeah, some guy named Slash. I don't know. Yeah, whatever I became of him. That's another song that I can't listen to just once. Yeah, absolutely. All right, in at number five for me, again, not necessarily one of the biggest names, even though he's had some big hits from 1982, and again, off a soundtrack. This would be Jackson Brown, Somebody's Baby. Well, just look at that girl with the lights coming up in her eyes. She's got to be somebody's baby. She must be somebody's baby. All the guys on the corner stand by and stand back and let her walk on by. She's got to be somebody's baby. She must be somebody's baby. She's got to be somebody's baby. She's so fine. Interesting choice. I know. It's not... To me, it's not... I don't know why. I've always just... From the point that I first heard the song... Prop, I, I mean, granted, I did not watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High when I was five. But... Ever since I heard that song, I just there was something about it. I'm like, yep, no, I I understand that song. It's one of those that I feel it in my bones kind of thing, where you look at a pretty attractive person, whether it be a guy or a girl, and you figure there's no way that person's single. He or she is probably somebody's special. Yeah, you know, there's um, old uh, WWE diva Stacey Keebler, one of the most beautiful women on the planet. 
at length about how like guys just don't wouldn't approach her in the bar because yeah. they just were intimidated by her. Yep. And that's why there's always been a, a real a real theory out there is that more average looking women do better because guys are less intimidated to approach a woman they feel would be on their level. Yep. Which also explains why those women always get the best guys. Yep. So don't sell yourself short, ladies. If if a lot if guys aren't approaching you there's a chance that you just might be too beautiful for them. And they think that they're... Uh, they have no shot. Completely out of their thing. Yep. But, but for you wonderful, wonderful gals out there, approach them. Because I trust me. I got two words on that. Hell yeah. Yeah, because it'll, it'll work. All right, what's number four? Yeah, I would have said Norwegian. Yeah. yeah. Finish? All right. Good to know. I learned something and, today. <laughs> uh, Tarja Tarurin, who was the original vocalist before Floor Jensen took over, she has opera-level quality vocals. She's She has that kind of range. Like She can hit three different octaves. She can hit all the high notes and everything. And she sounds like an opera singer. She can... What do they call it when they really... It's, it's like a howl kind of sound. I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's an, a musical term for it. She can hit all of that flawlessly. And she's one of those singers where I actually like listening to the live version of this song better than the album version just to hear her performance because it's actually better. Because that's how good she is. And the song is called Ghost Love Score. And it is a masterpiece in songwriting. It's it's a Bohemian Rhapsody, in a way. It's an opera. It's telling a story. It's telling a tale. It's And it's very much like a... What's the word I want to go for here? It's like a... Like some kind of lore is being told. Um... Like a myth, an ancient myth, or something. Like it's it's that kind of idea. Like you're talking about some like, a, like an old story, or I don't know. I'm blanking on my vocabulary here. I got to work overnights this week, people. Leave me alone. But but the song is the song is absolutely gorgeous. And there's an interlude in the middle where it's just nothing but the symphonic harmonies playing, and this is the song that evokes raw emotion in me. I feel something when I listen to this song. I feel the performance. I feel the vocals. And when, when a song can make you feel something that powerful, you know they're doing something right. Yep. If you have to listen to anything by... <clears throat> if you want to listen to this song, folks, go to YouTube. Look up the Ghost Love Score performance 
concert before Taria left the band and Floor took over. Floor Jensen, fantastic singer. There is absolutely not saying anything about that, but I, I believe it's called uh, Nightwish. I want to look. I want to look this up so people can actually. Uh, I want to look this up because I want to make sure that people can actually see it. End of an Era, <clears throat> and it was released as an album. So you can listen to it as an album if you don't want to go on YouTube. It's on Spotify, too. It's called the End of an Era album. It's their final live performance before Taria officially left <clears throat> and Dutch singer Floor Jansen took over. So give it a listen, and then when you're done with that, listen to their cover off the same album of The Phantom of the Opera and tell me that that isn't perfect. And I'm going to say this. For my number four, you completely changed how I was going to do the intro. Because my number four song is also Better Alive. But for a much different reason. Because of a third little verse that he adds only in the live version. Now, I was going to say that it's one of those songs where even if you don't listen to country, you probably know this song. I'm, of course, referring to Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places. Of course. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. The last one to know, the last one to show, I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, said, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain. Because I got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. And I'll be okay. I mean, again, I went through a phase in the early 90s or the late 90s where I only listened to country. And one of the artists that got me into that was Garth Brooks. Because it was the time he did a big concert in Central Park of all places. And he even said, you know, you would never assume a guy doing country would sell out a place like Central Park. But there were tens of thousands of people that were there. Which is so cool. Yeah. The, I don't know anybody who doesn't like that song. Yeah, if you don't like that song, you're wrong. And just admit it. And just stop. <laughs> it's a fun song. Yep. Alright, what's number three for you? Side of the Moon esque. Very much so. And I think there was some inspiration taken there, if I'm not mistaken. But um, the song itself 
story and it's doing it in a way that makes it sound like it belongs in the soundtrack of a high adventure film. You could see something like this being played, maybe not, maybe not necessarily a, a timepiece adventure film like a Pirates of the Caribbean or a Lord of the Rings, but this is like a very quest-like, hostile-sounding, epic music performance, and it has one of the best, one of the best outros because it's got. The, the symphony mixed in with the rock and it slowly burns out after slowly coming in. I mean, it starts with nothing but just a, a guitar riff and then cuts in. The drums come in, the other guitars come in, the bass comes in. And Claudio sings very high octave on album, but in concert he sings very low. So if you see the song live and you listen to it on the album, you're getting two different versions of it completely. And it's worth it just to check out the differences because they both sound great. By the way, when he performs it live, he does it with one of those double guitars. Oh, nice. You know, you know those guitars that are like double guitars, you know? There's another Simpsons reference for you kids. I thought that was Otto. Yeah, that's Otto. Um, and at one point he plays it with his teeth. <laughs> so, as, as you do. As you do. So, yeah, I saw these guys at House of Blues in Orlando during my Disney College program in 2008, and they absolutely tore the house down absolutely phenomenal live performance and they've um the hot period of Coheed and Cambria was really that late 2000s early 2010s because the song got recognized on rock band it was in Madden it was in a it was actually in Madden NFL 06 which is where, where it kind of peaked up there um I remember they used it in a movie trailer for a movie called Nine it's an animated movie that's yep. Yep. That's uh, really, really creepy, actually. Um, NXT, the WWE developmental brand, used it for two years. And then it, it, Welcome Home kind of uh, kind of faded out a little bit after that. But it's always been one of those songs, when it comes on, like if it comes on my playlist, I hear that guitar riff, I crank the song up, and I rock the entire duration. And it, it's a 6 minute, 15 second song, but doesn't stop me never has for my number three i'm going 1985 tears for fears everybody wants to rule the world i love tears for fears that's another one of those bands that has such a unique sound that'll never be duplicated yep you know it's tears for fears the second they come on yep there's no turning back, even while we sleep. We will find you, acting on your best behavior. Turn your back on Mother Nature. Everybody wants to rule the world. It's my own design. It's my own remorse. Help me to decide. Help me make the most of freedom and of pleasure. Nothing ever lasts forever. Everybody wants to rule the world. What more can you say? <laughs> it just... It's one of those songs, you can't tell, like, is it a cheerful song? Is it a sad song? Because melody-wise, it's cheerful. <laughs> but you listen to the lyrics and you're like, he's going to kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen to the name of the band. Yep. It's right there. That's right up there with Five for Fighting, which you would think would be a violent band, and then they're not. 
They released some heavy stuff, but they also released some pretty interesting light music, too. Yep. All right, what cracks your number two? where I figured you'd put it. Yep, that's where it is. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel released The Sound of Silence way back in 1964 to be released with the overdub version in 1965. And they did that right on 7th Avenue. Columbia 7th Avenue. It's a pretty... It's a very interesting song because a lot of people have said it's the hardest song to cover. Yeah. And a lot of people have tried, and a lot of people didn't do it well. So in 2015, uh, Disturbed released the album Immortalized, and they were going to cover The Sound of Silence. The original plan was to record it in their heavy metal style, because Disturbed loves doing heavy metal covers of classic songs. They've done Shout, they've done Land of Confusion, and those have been really, really good. Yep. And they weren't figuring out a way to to pull this off. <clears throat> so it was basically just suggested from the band, like, hey, why don't we do this as a symphonic version instead? And they're like, all right, let's give it a try. And David Draymond, lead singer of Disturbed, the guy who goes, ooh, ah, ah, and down with the sickness, went into the studio and nailed it on the first take. So the take you hear is actually his first take. He nailed it. First try. And Paul Simon himself has even endorsed the song because they performed it on Conan. And that was where a lot of people first heard it. I remember, because I bought Immortalized the day it came out, because Disturbed is my... Disturbed is actually my all-time favorite band, people. They're right there. They're in the number one spot. Lincoln Park is actually number two. But... I bought the album when it came out, and I remember seeing that they were doing The Sound of Silence, and I was expecting the heavy metal cover. When I started hearing it, I'm like, oh, this is a little disappointing. But then I listened to it all the way through, and I remember, this was my gut reaction, hearing this song on launch day for the album. I stopped the the CD, right? Like, I I paused it, I stopped it, and I kind of just sat there and let it process. I said, I need to hear that again, and I went back and I
and ironically, your number one band is in at number two, as well as my number one band is in at number two. Now, we've already talked about Queen, and again, there's about 20 songs that you could easily put as your favorite Queen song. Mine is not one of the more popular songs. It is the last song that, on what we thought would have been Queen's last album, they did wind up putting one out post-Freddie Mercury. The song is called The Show Must Go On. Yes. Yes. And it's all about Freddie trying to go through everything knowing he's in the last part of his life. Empty Spaces, What Are We Living For? Abandoned Places, I guess we know the score, on and on. Does anybody know what we are looking for? Another hero, another mindless crime. Behind the curtain in the pantomime. Hold the line, does anyone want to take it anymore? The show must go on, the show must go on, yeah. Inside my heart is breaking, my makeup may be flaking, but my smile still stays on. I mean, just, you talk about raw emotion. You know, we can talk about life and death. He was living it every single day, not knowing if he would actually wake up the next day. And that is why it's my number two. Again, I could have easily done Don't Stop Me Now, Under Pressure, Bohemian Rhapsody, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, Another One Bites Dust. There's hundreds of, not hundreds, but that you could easily go, oh no, that's my favorite Queen song. But when you think about raw emotion, it's The Show Must Go On. It's time. It. It's time. Which is funny because we we actually know each other's number one songs. Yep. Because <laughs> we we've, we've openly discussed this before. Yep. So this won't be a surprise to us. But I said my number one favorite song of all time was Bon Jovi's "Living on a Prayer." I always just found this to be a powerful, moving, fast-paced, just electric song that checks off all the boxes. Yep. Is it a rock hit? Yes. Yep. Does it tell a good story? Yep. Yes. Does it tell an emotional story? Yep. Yes. Does it have good... Are the lyrics powerful? Yes. Are the guitars powerful? Yes. Does it have a good intro? Does it... The only negative thing I can say about the song is because it's an 80s song, it's got that fade-out outro. Yep. But when they perform it live in concert, they do a big outro for it, so... The album came out... Uh, the Slippery When Wet album came out in 1986 in October, <clears throat> and that was a that was the brainchild of John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, and Desmond Child all together. Came up with the lyrics to the song, and it's a powerful, motivational song. This is my go-to 
I need some. I need to feel something. I need to be motivated to get something done or to or make it through something. This is my go-to. Yep. That's and that's part of the reason why it's number one because this song inspires me, and it always has. And yes, it just so happens to come from fellow Jersey boy John Bon Jovi, and it happens to be a band and an artist that I do really enjoy. And there are plenty of other songs out there that really motivate me and make me feel powerful, like I can conquer the world. But this has always been the song to do that. The longest term song, because it's almost as old as I am. So it's been around the longest, I've known it the longest. So as much as The Sound of Silence moved me, I just can't dethrone this song from my number one position. And I don't think it ever will be. And that's okay. That's There's nothing wrong with that. And again, you know, all the way back on episode 11, I did Slippery When Wet. And what was number one? Because how, how could you not? Now, for me, it's a song, it's a song that I have not yet done on ranking tracks, but it will, it will happen this year. Uh, long overdue on this one. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have mentioned it several times on this podcast that it is my all-time favorite song. Most recently... It's, it's been sampled. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Most recently when I talked about Eminem. Because in at number one, from 1973, Dream On, Aerosmith. Queen is my all-time favorite band, but and Aerosmith is my second favorite band, but when it comes to actual singles, they flip-flop. Every time I look in the mirror, all the lines on my face getting clearer. The past is gone. Oh, it went by like dust to dawn. Isn't that the way? Everybody's got their dues in life to pay. I know nobody knows where it comes and where it goes. I know it's everybody's sin. You gotta lose to know how to win. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> like, I, there's, there's really nothing I can add to this. Yeah. You know, I don't use the term... Go ahead. I I, I think statistically this is their most successful song of all time. It is not. Oh, you know what? Never mind. Armageddon, right? Yep. That was their first number one song. Dream On would never hit number one. I thought it did. Nope. Okay. You would think that throughout their entire career with all the great songs that they've had, Something would have hit number one other than don't want to miss a thing. Nope, that's number one. But you know what? There's also something to be said about the fact that they've been consistent for so many years. And the longevity of that career. Right. And the fact that, okay, none of your stuff was number one, but you still went and everything was still really powerful. And so, yeah, I. That is interesting. I'm actually pulling up a list of their right now to see what some of their other number ones were. Not that I don't know some of them off the top of my head, but... No, that's... But yeah. Dave, I don't think any other song has hit number one other than... Which is that's just really mind-boggling when... There's no way that should be the case. You would think, but... But here we are. But yes, um... We, we've had long talks about, uh... About how this was always your favorite song, and how, yeah, sure, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the the top band, but you know, not every not every band.
band that you like consistently is going to necessarily put out the uh, the all-time greatest song. And the all-time greatest song can come from a band that you may not be that crazy about some of the other stuff that they put out. Dream On peaked at 59. Yes, but it was uh, uh, four times platinum. The highest single they had uh, previous to I Don't Want to Miss a Thing was Angel at number three. Yeah, because even when they reissued Dream On, it only hit number six. That's nuts. But again... Uh, <laughs> oh, here we go. Love in an Elevator did hit number one on the U.S. rock. Um, so yeah. that going for them. Yeah. They, they had that at least. <laughs> at least they got number one somewhere on U.S. rock. They, as what It Takes was also number one. They, they had a couple that did well, but as far as like the top 100 list, which is what everyone goes by. Sure. So. All right. So. Yep. That's our top 10. Interesting list, huh? Yeah. And again, only Queen appeared on both lists, which tells us, you know, we have different tastes in music, but neither one of us is like, oh, that song sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody's all-time favorite song is "Friday" by Rebecca Black. At least we hope you're not. You're not gonna hear. You're not gonna hear garbage on the list. Yeah. All right. Well, I do want to thank you for joining me for episode number one hundred. Turns out to be a supersized episode because we're going on an hour here. But with this much good music, of course, we're going to talk about it. And it's me, and I talk. So. And so do I. It's one thing to, you know, talk to myself. It's another to have someone in to uh, bounce off of. So our episodes always go long, and I'm okay with that. All right, so I do want to thank you all for listening to this episode, as well as the previous 99. And uh, I'm switching things up. Next week will not be a real paranormal talk. I'm going to do another Rankin Tracks back-to-back, because I can all right, well, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me today, Chris. Appreciate it. Always happy to be here. Anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, just check me out on the Not So Humble Broadcast, my one-on-one interview show on CKCC Radio. Check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash CKCConline. CKCC Video on YouTube. New content on the way. And at Chris O'Mealy on basically all the social medias. So hit me up. All right, thank you for listening, everyone, and have a good one. Take it easy.